Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Now then, 7.40 and... I'm sure you would have heard the news last week that China's ruling Communist Party announced plans to relax the nation's family planning rules, notorious for so long as being a one-child policy. Well, it's now going to be two children as an allowance for married couples. But will that make any real difference? Professor Martin White from the Department of Sociology at Harvard University specialises in contemporary Chinese society and joins us on the line. Good morning from Seoul. Good morning, uh, Alex. Nice to talk to you. And likewise you. So what we're seeing here is China starting to deal with the same concerns as ourselves here in Korea and, and Japan and, and others in the developed world where, where you've got a, an ageing society or fears of a future ageing society. But there's a big difference. China's still in its stage of development. Is this too little too late? It's very much too little, too late. Um, and it didn't start, though, with the one-child policy. It actually began a decade earlier in 1970. While Mao was still alive, China began uh, to coercively mandate limits on how many babies uh, Chinese could have. They shifted from the voluntary family planning programs that places like Korea, Taiwan, Japan, and so forth have carried out, to essentially a, a coercive and mandatory policy. And at the time, urban families were limited to two children and rural families to three children. And what happened in 1980, a decade later, is that for very bizarre uh, and, and unjustifiable reasons, the Chinese leaders who had taken over after Mao died, the reformist leaders, wanted to ramp up the economic development rate per capita, and they decided uh, an even tougher policy of only allowing one child per couple uh, was justified. And all of that produced a, an extraordinarily rapid decline in fertility, much more rapid than, than other East Asian countries experienced, but it was mainly a decline in the 1970s, and mm. it's a myth that it was uh, started by the uh, one-child policy. The one-child policy produced huge increases in coercion and abuses of the population, but it actually was not that successful in bringing China's uh, birth rate down further. Uh, the main thing that has brought the birth rate down further since 1980 is rapid economic development, the same as everywhere else in East Asia. Right. But still... You have to be careful what you wish for, don't you? It's difficult, isn't it, to have too much sympathy with a government that has been so coercive? Absolutely. Uh, but in, in both the 70s and since then, uh, in order to enforce this mandatory policy, higher-level officials uh, put pressure on basic-level officials to, to get targets met, low reproduction targets while meeting high production targets. And, and particularly since the late 80s, uh, local officials could be penalized and their careers armed if they didn't meet these quotas. And mm. so they, even though the uh, leaders said you shouldn't do this coercively, in fact, uh, since the 1970s, uh, there have been very intrusive uh, controls on people's lives, keeping track on everybody's uh, 
birth history, contraceptive history, even in uh, sometimes the menstrual cycles of women so that you can check to make sure that they're still uh, having periods and not mm. becoming pregnant. And then if if, he, if women became pregnant who were not, didn't have permission to do so, massive pressure on them to have an abortion and sometimes to have a sterilization after an abortion. Yes. And if they didn't agree, uh, the children were sometimes denied registration and benefits, even in the 1970s, before the one-child policy. Horrifically Families intrusive. faced huge fines, and, uh, uh, you know, pe people suffered very greatly, and there were even, you know, third trimester abortions uh, forcibly carried out, um, you know, humongous uh, yeah. human rights abuses of the Chinese population. Yeah, I'm sure... Many of us listening now will have come across those images of mothers lying alongside fully formed babies that have been taken from their right. womb. Uh, some of the most tragic and, and this, images. And this, this is not recent or new. It goes back even before the one-jail policy was launched. Uh, and, but the one-jail policy, by making the, the target so much lower, meant that many more families had their very strong desires for uh, different family size frustrated and uh, so the amount of coercion needed to enforce it ramped up much more highly after 1980. And we have something of a theme of, of looking after forgotten children today. Um, it's worth mentioning as well some of these orphanages that were forced to spring up of young girls particularly and disabled children that were just given away under pressure perhaps by parents who, who had to limit themselves to one child and we've ended up with right. millions more boys than girls but but also I mean I remember watching years ago a, a documentary by the BBC in which they highlighted hidden footage of these orphanages where the conditions were absolutely right I mean it's haunted been me a change since. over time there in the in the 80s and 90s uh, before the technology uh, for early sex detection was developed, uh, there were there were, as you mentioned, you know, tens of thousands of uh, abandonment of uh, infants whose only defect was their gender. They mm -hmm. were females, and the orphanages were overflowing with perfectly healthy, charming uh, baby girls who, yep. whose families were under such coercion they didn't feel they could raise them. They had to abandon them to try again for a son. What's happened in more recent times is that that uh, ultrasound B machines have become very widespread. It's in theory illegal to use them to uh, determine whether you're going to have a boy or a girl and abort uh, the girl so you could try again for a boy. But in fact, it's very widespread, even in the cities. And so they, there's in recent times, 15 to 20 percent more boys born every year. Yep. Uh, but one small good side effect is is that the orphanages are not overflowing anymore. Uh, people are detecting and getting rid of the, their potential daughters earlier before they're born instead of filling up the orphanages. Professor White, this two-child policy, I, I mean, from a humanitarian perspective, and I think it is important to remember the humanitarian side of this, are we just limiting the problem but rather than removing it completely i mean after all this still only applies to married couples and it is still a restriction yes i agree with you completely it's in some ways it's a return to the 1970s where as i mentioned urban families were limited to two children but if you wanted to have a third once again you faced 
uh, coercive penalties. Um, and what's not certain, this is brand new policy, is will the authorities really have the, uh, uh, the desire and the ability to be as nastily coercive in enforcing a ban on third children as they were in earlier times yeah. uh, in the 70s on a third child and in the, in the 80s and beyond on, on second children? Or is this really going to be a more steady erosion and a, uh, you know, a losing of bureaucratic, uh, you know, power and willingness to be so mean to uh, restrict people's families? And basically, they don't need to do it. I mean, China has had, since the early 1990s, uh, sub-replacement level fertility. So China has, uh, Chinese population will reach a maximum within the, the next decade, between 2020 and 2030, and uh, present trends continue, will start declining. Yes. Well, uh, we know so all about an aging society. No yeah. We've got to leave it there, but we know all about an aging society here in Korea, uh, as well as in Japan. But uh, the, the, the fear is, Professor White, that China's not got as rich as Japan, for example, before reaching this point, and perhaps the uh, the great world power is not going to be as great. But uh, it's well, a sh- it's not only it's not only that, but it's also the the looming labor shortage. It's mm. hard to think of China having a looming labor shortage. Yes, indeed. But already the costs of uh, of uh, manufacturing labor has been going going up sharply, and China is becoming less and less competitive. The the thing that engineered its growth since 1978, uh, sort of manufacturing for export, is less and less viable because of the impact of these uh, very unusual demographic history that has produced a, a small number of people coming up to join the labor force. Professor Martin White, we've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Nice to talk to you. And likewise, Professor White from Harvard University. Fascinating to look at this, isn't it? And uh, I want to emphasize I have great sympathy for the people of China in all of this, just because the government doesn't necessarily deserve sympathy for its past policies and this outcome. It's the people who bear the burden, really, isn't it? You can email us your thoughts, EFM this morning at gmail.com.